It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And welcome inside JCW's in Provo, Utah, as we get set for week six of BYU football. The Cougars home to Boise State on Friday night, and this is the Coordinator's Corner. Weekly, we visit with two of BYU's three coordinators. This week, we'll head defense with Coach Elisa Tuiaki and offense with Coach Ty Detmer coming up at the bottom of the hour. And your questions for the coaches can be sent in via Twitter using the hashtag CC. BYU. Greg Grubel with Coach E. BYU coming off a 40-24 to loss at Utah State Friday night in Logan. And Coach E, I really do think uh, that the 40 points allowed number is a bit misleading. Uh, the Aggies didn't get to 300 yards in offense, and really it was a lot of short fields the Aggies had. Uh, I thought you guys played better as a defensive group than 40 points might say, and there were two pick sixes in there as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, going back and watching the film, uh, I, th- I thought the defense played well. Um, and there's always things to fix, and when you're playing playing an offense uh, at any collegiate level. They're you know they're they're a well coached team and and uh, you know scheme and all that stuff and got a couple good players and so they're going to get some yards. But I thought that overall uh, I was pleased with it. You know if we would have gotten a couple more takeaways, obviously would have been great. But uh, we had the pick six on our side, which is which was huge for us. Um, but uh, I mean overall the, the the kids played well. The kids played hard all the way to the end. Now, you knew the Aggies were capable of putting up a big number. They'd scored uh, well in a couple of games already. Uh, but I know you felt going in that you had a scheme that could keep them relatively controlled. And for the most part, film showed that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. You know, the, the kids that played, that played well, they did their job. I, I thought that, uh, you know, they we, we went in with a, with a package that was just for a third and long. And uh, we ended up playing that package exclusively because we thought that we could stop the run in that package, which was, you know, meant, meant to stop the pass. But uh, the D line played well, and you know, felt like we can we can hold them uh, as well as get more coverage in there. And um, you know, that's just just looking back at it, I just thought thought the defense played well, especially with the changes that we made in the game. Yeah, we'll get to those changes in a second. Uh, you want more takeaways? You had one. It was a pick six from Micah Hanneman. You're averaging uh, .8 takeaways per game. That's four takeaways through five games. That number was a lot higher, about three times higher last year. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's, you know, little, little everybody just kind of doing their job, but also little things, you know. Um, disguises in the secondary as well as guys making making plays on balls, um, D linemen tipping balls. And, um, you know, we, did, we were not blitzing as much as we did last year, which might attribute to it as well. But I think that uh, overall, uh, it's just everybody doing doing the little things right. You alluded to it a second ago. New look and new looks on defense. Was that partly a function of the bye week? Was it a function of you finding some different things out about yourselves in self-assess? What kind of led to that? It, it was really just what we were facing, you know. With Utah State specific. Yeah, well, Utah State State specific, and um, you know, the front was completely new. Is yep. something that we've never really done before. Three wide. Yeah, three wide fives and, and a nose, but uh, with a nose like Kyrus that, as well as handsome and just you know the 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 depth that we have at the nose spot as well as being able to play the ends wide, um, thought they did well and we we didn't even play it, you know the way that we were supposed to. I mean obviously we go back and there's some coaching points or things that we should have done better, but it was you know the for the front did well, it was good enough. Um, we just got we just got to continue to refine all the things that we're doing. What did you design Sione Taki Taki's role to be just behind the nose there? Uh, basically a disruptor <laughs> and and a spy for a quarterback who could run he was a, he was going to be a spy for us 
um, several times. You know, he he almost got there, and uh, you know the, the the quarterback ended up um, being the one that hurt us on on one of the plays where we went back to four down. So when the, the their last touchdown. Uh, that we gave up. It was, I think, a 19-yard run by the quarterback. We went back down to a four-down front. I think if we stayed in, a, in an odd front with a spy, it would have put us in position to, to, to play it, you know, the right way. But, um, you know, they ended up getting us on that one, and, and uh, you know, it kind of happens when you get, get uh, schemed and certain things that you're doing. But uh, I thought Shona did, did a good job playing the spy technique. Uh, more nickel snaps than we'd seen? Yeah, almost exclusively nickel. Yeah. I mean, we started the game playing more base stuff, and then we went. That, and that's why you saw Grant Jones had yeah. a lot of snaps. You know, he was uh, supposed to be a third and long uh, uh, package deal with him and Chaz playing a little bit as well. Um, but, uh, I mean, he played a lot just because of that. Yeah, we're going to bounce around a bit here, but uh, Grant Jones is an interesting story. He's been all over the field, both sides of the ball, since he's been at BYU. What made you think he'd be a good fit there and has been a good fit there for you? You know, he, he was a he was a good player for us last year, you know, and did a really good job and ended up getting hurt last year and um, you know, that injury set him back a little bit. He had to come back, he lost weight, he had to get strength back and everything and um I, before we came as a staff he was actually playing scout receiver. Yeah. And I think that's where his heart was and he felt good about it. So when he came approached us last year, we had him slotted at the two spot. Um, which uh, behind Fred Warner, which is going to be a guy that gets a lot of snaps, but he just felt like his heart was at receiver, and so wanted him to play where his heart was. Um, and then when he ended up back on the scout team, you know, playing receiver, uh, I approached him and just said, "Dude, you you can you can jump in right now and play for us. I mean, we've got a spot for you, we've got a role for you." And and he it was great it was great because then when we got him back at that point, it wasn't like. I'm doing what the coach would want me to do. He was like, I'm grateful to have a spot and yeah. a role to be, do, be playing, and, and uh, we're happy to have him back. I think he's going he's to continue to do well for us. He was active, uh, made plays for you Friday. A unique body type uh, for the position, right? Yeah, yep. Long, levered kid who can run. 6'6", six, six maybe? You know, I think 6'4 and a half, 6'5". Okay. But, you know, but really... tall enough to where he stands out. Yeah, yeah, yep. What, what's, what's Fred? 6'3 and a half, 6'4"? He might be a little bit taller than Fred. And Butch is down around 6'. Butch is like my height, so we're we're we're, we're going to tell everybody we're six, but we're about five nine and a half. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Butch, uh, he was making plays and went out. Um, I know you guys don't talk a lot about injuries, unless they're season ending. Uh, hopes that he is able to contribute still this season for you and get back in it. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he just got got banged up his, on his hand. Um, and so that, that's all something that you can just kind of tape up and put more duct tape on it and throw them back out there. So <laughs> Now, you mentioned the word disruption a short time ago, and it was a disruptive night for you guys defensively. Now, we both look at disruption a little bit differently. Uh, I, I favor a stat called Havoc Rate, which is pretty simple. Havoc Rate looks at uh, four, to ca- uh, four categories, um, your, your TFLs, uh, your PBUs, and uh, and your fumbles forced really just the three categories the PBUs combined both break breakups and picks and uh, out of that I had uh, 15 havoc plays in 74 plays defended a havoc rate of 20 percent and you'd been at 10 percent through four games so you doubled it on that night you look a little differently look at a few more kinds of things and either way your rate was up too right yeah yeah I mean the we we look at uh, a lot of the same things uh, t- takeaway would have shown up as one also PBU TFL and sacks. 
Um, and, you know, the calculations that we have on our numbers, we were 27% uh, disruption uh, or big plays, and, and we kept them to 7, which we wanted percent. to keep we, 7%. So yeah. we wanted to keep them 7.5%, and we wanted to double it and be at 15%, but we ended up at 27%, which is really, 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 really good, good productive uh, day for us. And normally, if you've got those kind of numbers and Utah State uh, is produces, and they produce 26 points on the night, there were the two pick sixes, you would expect to have a favorable outcome. Ultimately, everything is seen through the prism of minus six in the turnover margin. That was ultimately the killer on the night. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, we know it. The offense knows it. They know it. Uh, you know, if we, we keep that number down and we control the ball, then I think we walk away with the win. But uh, well, it didn't go that way. All right, Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator with us here in the first hour on the co- uh, first half hour on the hour-long coordinator's corner. Coach Ty Detmer coming up at the bottom of the hour. Questions for Coach E? Send them in to my Twitter. Use the hashtag CCBYU. More with Coach E coming up from JCW's in Provo right after this. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back inside JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Coach Elisa Tuiaki, first half hour. Coach Ty Detmer, second half hour as we go defense, offense on this Monday, getting ready for week six and BYU home to Boise State on a Friday night. Question uh, from Twitter coming in for Coach E from uh, David. says, many college coaches get help and insights from other coaches during an offseason. Uh, do you at BYU do anything like that? We do, and matter of fact, we went last year uh, or this this uh, last spring with the defensive staff to uh, North Northwest Missouri State, the D two school. That's uh, I think won two national championships in the last four uh, four years, and really really good on defense. Uh, number one in sacks, number one in run defense, and uh, takeaways and all that. And so it was uh, really really productive for us. And some of the schemes that that we've gone to. Uh, has, has been spin off of what we've done as well as a mix with that. And so that's uh, definitely something that we do. And I think every year a lot of coaches are doing that, you know, kind of hooking up with old friends that are doing things differently or, or just uh, reaching out to people who are really successful at what they do and, and uh, trying to meet with them, whether it's an NFL team or college team, even Division Division Two, Division Three school. Okay. Uh, also from Twitter, uh, this from EC. It seems in most games BYU is in a base zone or man coverage. Do you plan on doing more exotic or overload blitzing, and he uses the word blitzing there. You didn't have blitzed as much this year as last year, as you've said. Yeah, it, it, all, it all just de- depends on the week, depends on who you're facing. Um, you know, I think uh, bl- blitzing blitzing's fine if you can if you can cover, right? <laughs> so that's normally what it is. It's uh, adding more people into the pass rush, taking away people from coverage. Um, and we felt like this year we've been a little bit more leaning more to get more coverage and just sending uh, four down, and, and, you know, three down, four down, even five at the most, just because we want we want to play more coverage than anything else. Okay, uh, Twitter from Tanner, did you anticipate Kairos Tonga being this good this fast? Yeah, um, he he reminds me a lot of uh, you know one of the D tackles that's at Utah now, Lowell, who was the body was capable but didn't really get it yet and then you know two three four games in just really clicked and so Kyrus is getting to that point now you're starting to see him react faster to blocks starting to see him more more disruptive um he's he's got the the body of an nfl player right now um and as he continues to learn the game and get stronger and get his body back from his mission he's going to be he's going to get better and better so you you mentioned lowell lotelele and that's a that's a big name to talk about for a guy that's so new to the game but you think he has the potential to be a pro player yeah 
Oh yeah, I, I think I think Kyrus has, has the potential to be, if he can stay healthy, God willing, and continue to learn and get better at the game, he could he could end up being one of the great ones to come out of BYU. Mm -hmm. Like he's that good. What did he show you in particular on Friday night that show you how far he's come from, say, game one? Uh, reaction to blocks is probably the biggest thing with D-Lyman. Um, you know, the ability to use your hands, but also turn your hands back to where they belong. And so a lot of times, you know, earlier on, if you go back and watch film, he's just kind of getting up field. He's just running and just kind of like, get out of my way, you know. <laughs> but now you're actually starting to see him use his hands and place them in the right spots and react to blocks and schemes and place them in the right spot. And when he gets his hands in the right spot and starts working back towards pressure, uh, I mean, nobody can block him. Yeah. He, can, he can just bend people over. He's just so strong. It's been fun to watch. Another uh, question from Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Um, it's from Jeffrey Butler. How do you feel about the depth uh, between 1 to 10 on your D-line right now? And how are the kids picking up the scheme? Yeah, the, the depth is really good at the D-line. I think that's probably the deepest spot that we have. And, you know, in the last year we, we've recruited to that with with uh, guys like Lorenzo Falotel playing early, um, you know, as a freshman. But uh, we're really deep there. And if you watch the games, I, I'll rotate three sets of D tackles and, and really two and a half sets of D ends just to keep those guys fresh. And, you know, the football for, for D line, O line and D linemen are – it's a little bit different. You're not just running, but you're actually going up against force, pushing back on you, and so you get tired a little quicker. And you know, um, philosophically, I always believe if you can keep those guys fresh, you have a chance to, to play good defense. One guy you're not able to rotate right now is Tevita Moonga, right? Right. Yeah, uh, Tevita has gone through some deals, and you know, he's he's probably not going to be back for the rest of the year. But uh, we're looking to get him back next year uh, as as a junior again, just because he can he can get a year back as a redshirt. You mentioned that I wanted to bring up Lorenzo Fawatea. Uh, early in camp, he was kind of one of the, the revelations to me, like, well, you got yourself a really good kid here on the D-line. Then he was out, and you hoped he'd be back. You said maybe, I think when we talked preseason, maybe game three or four, and right around then he did come back. How's he looked to you, and maybe uh, Friday being his best game? Yeah, looked look better. He was... Uh... He he looked he looked like he was still coming off an injury against Wisconsin and got rolled up a couple times, but he actually looked uh, really confident and um, you know played better against Utah State, and he he continues to get better and better and better. And uh, with someone like that, another guy who's just new to the program, and uh, and Kalani's mentioned this too. There are a lot of guys on this team that are playing big roles that were either high school or missions last year. In a way, it's exciting. In a way, it means that you got obviously have to get deeper over time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, those guys have done a really good job coming off of missions, obviously, and coming off of uh, coming straight out of high school and being contributors. You normally don't see that at the D line spot uh, because there's such a big difference, big gap from from high school to college with how strong kids are and, and you know how much time they put in the weight room. Um, and uh, you know, for Lorenzo as well as Langitufu to step up and and have a role, you know, right away, is, 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 I think is a good thing. What are some names of some kids who aren't playing right now but will play down the line that you're equally excited about and playing on your D-line? You know, uh, Keanu Saliapanga is, is uh, redshirting right now, um, and I think that he's he's going to be another great one. He's a legitimate 6'5", at least, and, uh, I mean, really, really good hands, disruptive. He was, he was the one that was committed to USC for a long time, and, you know, they kind of fell off when he looked like he was going to struggle academically to be become eligible, and, and uh, that's when we first got hired, came in and picked him up, and so he's going to be really good. Um, you know, if we, all the other guys we can keep healthy. Uh, Alden Tuffa is another one. Is a guy that is a, probably a tweener body between playing DN and D-tackle. He's big enough to play D-tackle, but uh, still quick enough to play DN, and so we're excited about him. And then obviously getting Wayne Wayne Kirby. The Oregon transfer. Morgan is, yeah. is, uh, he's got to sit out this year, but 
he's got a lot of ability. He looks a lot like uh, Tevita Molina. Um, and so we're, we're going to have a lot of guys at that spot. With the schedule you guys have lined up for years to come, you're going to need more of those types of guys to make you competitive where you need to be up front, right? right. And you think you've got them. Right, yeah. We do. We do. We, we feel pretty good about the guys up front. We've got to just, you know, continue to, to uh, uh, recruit and just get guys that fit into the system. We need more corners. Every single year we need corners, and every year we'll probably take a D lineman or two. A little cross-promotion here. Tomorrow night on our uh, Satake show on BYU TV, BYU Radio, uh, Kairos Tonga will be our guest on tomorrow night's Coaches Show. So join us there. Uh, go to BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show and get your free seats for the show. Bam Bams has post-show dinner tomorrow night for us, and uh, we'll make sure uh, uh, Kairos gets a little bit of that on the way out too. Uh, so Kairos is tomorrow night. Last week on the Satake Show we had uh, Corbin Kofusi, and uh, Corbin was uh, pretty uh, active in Logan on Friday night too. Yeah, Cor- Corbin did a great job. Cor- Corbin plays hard is uh getting better every single day works works hard at his craft and um i love that he's he's football exclusive now he's gonna get better and better and bigger and stronger and he won't lose that weight all right break time we'll come back our final segment with coach tuiaki we'll hit boise state get his thoughts on the broncos it's byu and boise friday at lavelle Edwards stadium 615 radio pregame 815 kick for the cougars and the broncos ty detmer's coming up at the bottom of the hour byu's offensive coordinator joining us on the coordinator's corner right now it's coach e and the defense and final segment with coach tuiaki is next here at jcw's on the coordinator's corner back after this Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And welcome back inside JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Every Monday, noon to 1, we talk with two of BYU's three coordinators on a rotating basis. And this week, it's Coach E and Coach D, I guess we'd say. Coach Detmer coming up at the bottom of the hour. Eli Satuiaki with us now as we go defense and offense in that order. And it is Boise State week. Uh, Broncos coming in. And uh, and Broncos and BYU are kind of in a, in a similar boat in that the results that they expect maybe haven't been there early. How do they look to you? They, they look good as usual. I mean, they, they look uh, really innovative on offense. They, um, lot, lot, they do a lot. I mean, a lot of different uh, um, personnel groups, a lot of different shifts and formations. And so that always, you know, that, that type of scheme always gives you problems just to make sure that you're sound and you got every gap covered. And, um, you know, they, I, I think they're a well, well-coached team. Now, you came off a bye with some new looks defensively. They're coming off a bye, and their coach has already promised changes offensively. Uh, so you're probably going to see some things you haven't seen yet when you see them on Friday. Right, right. And it was the same last year. There was They, they did some things that, that uh, we didn't see, and one of them they ended up scoring on. You know, And so we've got to make sure that we're sound in all of our assignments and try to, you know, we got to sit back and try to scheme ourselves as well just to make sure that uh, there's no holes in what we're trying to do. Enough guys back on their side, coaching and otherwise, to make last year's film pretty useful, do you think? right now are there uh, enough guys back you know the, the the main guy the quarterback is back but they also use another another quarterback is a little bit more um run ability and uh, they've used both i think their their quarterback from last year is a really good player uh been banged up and you know he's he's taken a lot of hits this year and so uh you know running back isn't as good as the guy last year but they they, they have a lot of different running backs that can play now i thought last week's game was huge for what it could mean to byu with a win you don't get the result so it gets to the next huge game and it's boise state now there's still a lot of things that you want to get done as a team and they hinge on making sure you get that next win in the in the win column as soon as possible because time is wasting obviously absolutely and that's one of the things that, that coach Itaka talked about you know to the team is 
we have eight, right? We have eight left. I mean, that, that's a lot of football, a lot of games left, and um, still a lot to do with the season. And, and uh, you know, guys can step up and, and perform in their roles as, as well as us kind of get things back on track with, with as far as winning. Yeah, relative to team goals right now, uh, nothing is a lost cause at this point, right? The things you want to get done this year can still get done if you turn it around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you, you, you don't like where you're at. You're not happy, but uh, there's, there's still time to fix it. You know, still time to fix everything. Uh, relative to team unity, um, how's it been, and is it harder uh, when you're not getting the results you want and on a day where maybe the defense feels they played well enough to win and the offense had a tough time with ball security? Are those tough weeks after? How is it, how is it for the team right now? You know, it's uh, obviously nobody, nobody likes to lose, uh, whether you're on offense or defense or special teams, but I think the bottom line is uh, – you know, the message to the kids is that no one role is more important than the other, you know, and you, you play good defense and, and you're not playing as well on offense. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Everybody's role is important. And so we need to be there to cheer on the offense to make sure that they're reaching their capability and they're doing the same for us when we struggle. And, and uh, you know, everybody's cheering on each individual person just to make sure that everybody fulfills their role. And, and I think it's, uh, that's the cool thing about football is, uh, you know, you get to teach your kids a little bit more about family and and, you know, some of these kids are already married, but I mean, my role as a as a as a worker, you call it work, but it's it's just play for me because it's football. You know, versus my wife who's at home as a homemaker. I mean, her her role is just important, if not not more. And uh, I probably more out there to the public, and you see things, but um, different roles, and everybody's role is important. And we just gotta continue to encourage each other and help each other. And you know, like we talked about, I think uh, two weeks ago. It's it's the we got to stick to the principles that matter, right? Uh, love, love, hard work, you know, being organized, just just all those things that really make it make a good team. And and uh, it's easy when you start losing to start kind of point, putting your finger and pointing at things that are probably don't have as much to do with winning and losing. And so we just got to stick to the things that that we know that are time tested you know, from the beginning of time all the way till now. We know that love and hard work and, you know, loyalty, determination, all those things are going to pay off for you if we just continue to teach that. Kalani preaches the 111th, right? Yeah. All the time. Yep, absolutely. And it's do your 111th, but also trust your guy next to you. I mean, that's just as important. If you're doing your 111th, you don't trust the next the guy next to you, then you're going to end up doing, you know, 211th, and you're going to end up screwing something up on your side. Yeah, so. do you see that when you look at film, uh, game to game? You see a guy trying time. to do his other someone else's 11th? Yep, all the time. And so now, you know, lately, or at least in the last week of practice, seeing a lot of guys starting to call other people out, right, to just do your job or be more accountable, which is, I mean, which is great. That's that I think that's what needs to happen instead of just quietly trying to do their job. Just, you know, there, there needs to be some communication as far as everybody being accountable to each other. You guys played Friday night. You guys didn't meet as a team Saturday, did you, or did you? We did. We did, did you? Because of the short week. We play on Friday. So today uh, was technically like a Tuesday for us. And so we needed to work to put, uh, put that game to rest. And then uh, coaches started game planning so that we can have the game plan ready when the kids came in today. Can you give us a sense of Saturday, um, uh, what the vibe was like and how you felt it was put to bed to get to get clear for a new week? Uh, the vibe sucked. You know, I mean, it's, nobody's happy. You kind of come in there, you feel like, dang, here, here we go again, you know. Um, but uh, after the head coach gets up and uh, speaks and the type of speaker that he is and the type of passion and emotion that he has, um, is it's really good. I mean, it's really straightforward. You know what you need to work on. Everybody knows that uh, we're all still in it together. Um, and I think, if anything, bringing us tighter together as a group. And uh, after that's all done and everything's kind of spoken, it's out there, then it's like, okay, 
let's put that to rest and let's move forward. And so I think that the feeling was, was bad at first just because it, I think it should be when you yeah. want to win. And then at the end of it, when the kids left, I think it's a, kind of a renewed energy to just get back on track and, and uh, refocus. I'm glad you said all of that because it does kind of come down to the guy, the guy being Kalani right now. And, and I mentioned the, the coaches show tomorrow night, and I wish people could all be in the room when he does that show on Tuesday nights because of, um, and I'll use the word energy, but it's more than energy. It's more of an aura and a vibe that he brings to an audience and to a show and to any group of people he's talking to. It's a special thing that he brings. And it's, it's not just it's, talk and it's not just feel. There's a real thing to it. And I know that ultimately it will pay dividends for this program. Yeah, it will. He, he's uh, he's the right man at the, at the helm. And we all back him up, and we're all here to, to, to push in the same direction. That's why I hope so much. I know that all of Cougar Nation does, too, that you get the results uh, you need and are working to deserve so that you can get this thing flipped around and go in the right direction. Good luck this week. Appreciate it. Thank all you. All right. Koji Lysa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator. We've got Ty Detmer coming up next as we go from defense to offense. Coach Detmer is after this. As we come back to JCW's, we're back in a minute. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Second half hour of the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW is our thanks to Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator in the first half hour, switching sides to the ball with Coach Ty Detmer, the OC, here in the second half hour. Coach Ty, good to see you once again. Been a little while for me, at least. Yep. Yeah. And uh, here you come in at uh, at one and four on the year. Last year's start was one and three, so there were some similarities in starts to season. Um, what's been the biggest difference, would you say, from last year's start to this year's start, from your perspective? I think uh, you know we lost some senior leadership last year, and uh, so you know obviously in some of those losses last year we were close within a you know field goal or a point or things like that, and it hasn't been that way this year. So. Um, a little bit of the inexperience, um, leadership uh, that we lost with Taysom and Jamal, that kind of the energy of, of the offense a little bit. So, um, you know, we've we're got some guys that are, are starting to kind of step up and fill that role, but it's hard to jump right in and, and be that guy uh, right from the start. And then with the injuries we've had, that, uh, that adds and compounds things that uh, all of a sudden you're kind of a, a different type of team than you thought you were going to be. Injuries at quarterback primarily, and how much of what has happened, Ty, has to be viewed through the prism of this weekly kind of quarterback quandary you're now in? Well, it's tough. Uh, as a coordinator, you're trying to play to the quarterback strength, and then, uh, you know, so we've changed kind of the look from week one to, to now. Uh, we're a little, a lot different type of offense, so um, it's, it's trying to find that sweet spot where your your quarterback the guy that's pulling the trigger and and running the show can be comfortable and and play without having to overthink things and then at the same time having enough to compete against some really good teams so um it it doesn't make it easy when you don't have continuity out there and consistency and having a guy that can learn as the season goes on and learn game to game uh because now you got a different guy in there every other week it seems like how uh, does your quarterback situation stand today? Well, if Tanner's cleared, um, he's seeing the doctor this afternoon. If he's cleared, he'll be the guy. If Bo's cleared, he'll be the starter. And then after that, uh, it's kind of all hands on deck right now. We're exploring all options. Uh, you saw Austin Confensis in there as a run type of package. And and uh, Coy, you know, we know that he made some mistakes and forced some throws. But, you know, I think he'll learn from that. And then uh, we've got you know joe critchlow and and cody willstead kind of chomping at the bit wanting to get their time so um you know we talk as a staff on saturday i know uh after the game it was kind of we're not sure what's happening but as you talk 
as a staff Saturday and Sunday and kind of figure out what the plan is. Uh, it's kind of all hands on deck with the other three and, and waiting to see with Tanner and Bo. So you say if, if Tanner gets cleared, he'd be the guy. Um, now, if Bo got cleared, it would have to be Tanner not getting cleared to make Bo the guy, wouldn't it, at that point? Because if Tanner ready, he's ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah, it, that's probably the, the situation. And, uh, you know, Bo did some really good things, and, and uh, I thought, you know, had us in a position we were going, kind of bad luck on the interception for a touchdown where it hits off a helmet and bounces right to uh, their defender. In his arms. It's kind of been the yeah. way, the, the theme of the season a little bit uh, on some of those bounces this year. But um, he's he really progressed from week one to week two, I thought. And so, um, but yeah, Tanner be the guy if he gets cleared. Yeah, you're not going to talk about injuries as as a coaching staff policy unless they're season ending. We understand that. Uh, but is there a chance that that Bo is able to still see the field this year and still be a contributor for you? People are worried about him. I think. Oh yeah, I, you know we'll know more um, here in the next day or two, and uh, you know after that we'll we'll kind of go from there. So uh, don't know what the prognosis is, or you know all those things. So of course we want the best interest for the the young man first, and uh, whatever is best for him, we'll do and. The doctors always make all those decisions. Yeah. We as coaches, I, we stay out of that and just whatever they tell us, whoever can be cleared is cleared, and whoever can't, they'll, they'll be on the shelf until they're ready to go. You use who's available to you. Uh, does your gut tell you that if Bo had played a healthy four quarters, you get out of there with a win Friday night? Well, it's it's hard to you know have hindsight, but uh, he, he brought a different dimension because he – was trouble for him in the run game as well as the pass game and and i think he was settled in a lot more comfortable uh you know just looking at him and making the reads and some of the deep throws were he was on point and and uh just missed a jonah early in the game yeah and then settled in nice throw to bow so i think uh i mean you like to think that had things stayed the same that was a pretty good combination for us with him you know running and throwing so uh, it probably was a different game but we'll never know when you go back and look at the play that took him out uh, what, what were your thoughts well I, i'm not sure if it was that play or, or one earlier where he got you know on the interception his head kind of hit the turf and, oh. and uh, he came off and seemed okay um i asked him if he was okay to go the trainers kind of looked at him and uh, nobody you know there was no indication there was anything wrong but the play where he actually came out of the game looked kind of innocent, you know, yeah. more of a forearm to the head or something. So makes me think maybe there was something before that, but uh, there was no indication and nothing from him that indicated anything was wrong. So sometimes with that, it doesn't take a lot, you know, with the a head injury. Yeah. Now, Coy is somebody you know better than anybody else in the room. Um, how do you overall view his night? And did it surprise you to the extent that he did try to str- uh, seem to struggle with accuracy? Uh, you know, it wasn't so much accuracy as uh, I think. You know, he he's the type of kid he wants to make every throw, and uh, he's going to try to push it down the field and and help the team win. And and I think just being a little aggressive. Uh, you know, over aggressive, and and then you know the second interception got it inside to Micah Simon instead of outside, and and he tried to throw it on time and just got it inside, but you know he he seemed every time he he made a decision the ball was coming out on time, and and uh, you know we got in a situation not fair to him that that we fumbled and kind of put us in a situation where we had to throw it uh, more than than we probably needed to had we not fumbled the football and we stay with kind of the game plan and and dinking and dunking and then taking our shots um so 
uh, I thought overall he managed the game. He got guys lined up. He, he made good decisions on the, some of the bubbles we threw uh, in the run game. And so, um, you know, I know he'd, he'd love an opportunity to learn from that and uh, be a little more conservative maybe and, and a little more sure of the decision-making uh, if that opportunity comes up again. The throw he makes to Jonah down the sideline is as pretty and perfect a throw as you're going to want a quarterback to make. It was a nice play. It was, and, and that's, you know, he can do those things. And, you know, the one to Bushman was right on the money. just happened we didn't find the free safety and see him cutting him off. So, you know, I, I say he wasn't all that inaccurate. The decision-making and placement of the ball wasn't always where it needed to be. Um, and so um, it's first real action in a couple years. And, and uh, you know, you don't always, as a quarterback, want to be judged on that uh, coming in in a tough situation uh, on the road and, and uh, maybe not a game plan that really fits you either, you know. All right, we'll take a break with uh, Coach Ty Detmer. We'll come back and uh, talk some more about what went down and what's ahead with Boise State on tap. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're talking offense this half hour. Hashtag CCBYU for questions in for Coach Detmer. That's hashtag CCBYU. The Coordinator's Corner continues from JCW's right after this. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back at JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Coach Tuiaki was with us in the first half hour talking defense. We hit the other side of the ball with Coach Ty Detmer, the offensive coordinator in this half hour. Uh, we talked a bit about what went on against uh, Utah State on uh, on Friday night, and so much of it uh, comes down to uh, the ball security issues that resulted in a minus six margin. No matter what else you do, it almost doesn't matter when you're minus six, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we, we've been pretty good with haven't had many fumbles uh, this season up until last game. And, Zero fumbles lost until Logan. Right. And, you know, I think all three came on trying to fight for extra yards. So it's, it's not lack of effort. It's uh, just taking care of the football. No one kind of win. The play is kind of dead, and people are going to start coming in and taking shots and stripping the ball. So, um, you know, we've got to be better and, and take care of the ball in traffic and make sure we go to the ground with it and not allow people to stand us up and then come in and, and take some shots on us. So, it, you know, it's not due to lack of effort. And it's not due to guys trying. And, it, it in fact, it was due to the to, – too much effort getting you know, every couple possible of yard so, yeah yeah um and you know they'll learn from those mistakes and it's kind of that growing pain it's freshman and first uh you know first real opportunity for ula to to be the guy and to, to carry the load and and uh he just you know trying to make a play and trying to get extra yards for us and the ball gets you know popped out from behind with you don't expect to get hit from behind on that one and we just got to take care of the football with the with the fumbles and then interceptions. We gotta we gotta make sure we see the throw and, and make good decisions. If it's not there, you know our defense is playing good enough for us to win. If we just punt the yeah. football and play field position, yeah. so that was the disappointing thing was we we played good enough to win defensively and. You know, I told the offense Saturday that, you know, we're, we're supposed to score points, not give up points. And we gave up points, uh, whether it was short field or uh, throwing it and them returning it. So uh, we football is all about field position and turnovers. Yep. A lot of, you know, the stats that go into a win, those are the two biggest factors. And we were not good uh, Friday night. Yeah, my big three would be average starting field position, turnover margin, and third down conversion. And pretty much if you're going to win those three categories, you're going to win the football game more times than not. It's interesting, Ty, that uh, through two games, you guys had one turnover, 
12 in the last three. They really have come in kind of a, a, a clump, and they've been in a really short time, span, uh, span of time. Yeah, and it's not one guy. It's it's multiple guys, and it's it's some guys that haven't carried it a lot. It's new quarterbacks in the game trying to make plays and make throws. And so um, whoever goes in the game, you know, we've got to stress ball security and, and don't. You don't want to get in a situation where you play not to lose the game. You want to go play to win the game. So it's that fine balance of how much effort do you give once you come to contact. You don't want guys going and getting hit and falling down and scared to fumble. So um, we just have to be good at making good decisions and then taking care of the football in traffic, and we'll be fine. You know, it's it's, – a big correlation, like you said, of, of wins and losses, and uh, you know, it's it's not a guy that it keeps happening to, or that guy wouldn't be playing for us. It's multiple guys in multiple situations, and we got to be better. And unfortunately, BYU's uh, turnover issues are closely, really closely tied to field position because of where they've happened. Of your 13 turnovers, 12 have happened on your side of the field. The average LOS is the 32-yard line of BYU. That's that's a big part of it, too. Yeah, and, you know, I look at it, and we've had some first down uh, interceptions. And as a coach, you want to take your shots on first down, but if they're not there, check it down, and let's get yardage. And, and if Play another get, down. If we get four, it's second and six. It's okay, or second and ten is okay. And so, you know, you're educating the quarterbacks on all the game situations and scenarios and when to be aggressive. And if you're going to take your shot, it's us or nobody. And uh, and so, you know, and then on our own end of the field, you know, I think our fumbles this last week all came after five-plus yard gains. So we already had five yards yeah. to contact. And now, uh, you know, that's a pretty good football play when you're, when you're running the ball. Um, and we don't need to then try to get – a lot more after that once especially once it starts closing in on you we got to go to the ground with the ball so um that that's been the the hard part is we put our defense in bad situations and uh when you're on the the offensive side of the ball you know you it's hard to go into the coach's locker room after the game when you knew uh we're we're putting our defensive coaches in a bad spot when you were the byu quarterback how did you view uh, turnovers or INTs in particular relative to a cost of doing business as much as the balls in the air? Well, my junior year, we had a lot of guys back. We were a pretty veteran team, and I think I broke the record in interceptions that year because I, I knew that we could go and get it back. We had a good enough team that it was okay. We were, we'd get the ball back, and we'd go down and be able to score. My senior year, we were brand new. We were a lot younger. Uh, I felt like that was a conscious effort on my part not to turn it over, and I think I cut my interceptions by, you know, three times, uh, fewer interceptions that year because I knew I had to take care of the ball and not put our team in a bad situation. And so, um, you you know, we've got to have that same mentality with our quarterbacks, no matter who goes in the game, that if it's there, I'm going to take it. If it's not, I'm going to check it down or be careful with the football. And and if I have to punt, I'm going to trust my defense to to get it back for us because – but that's that's the way you got to play the game. As uncertain as the quarterback situation is today, Monday of game week, what gives you hope and confidence for Friday and beyond that things get sorted out there? Well, you know, at some point we'll get Tanner back and uh, he'll be healthy, and same with Bo, hopefully. And uh, and I think through the process we're learning about our team, we're learning about our guys, and and we're starting to get guys in the right situation for the right play, and and starting to feel pretty good about our personnel and and what we feel like they can do best and so 
we're getting there. It's uh, when you have to plug in a new quarterback, that kind of throws it all out the window a little bit. Yeah. So at some point, we'll get to that point where we we kind of have it all dialed in, and and then when you know Tanner's back, he'll be able to step right in, and and hopefully it'll be a, a kind of a well-oiled machine, and just him catch up, and and uh, that'll happen quickly. So um, you know, but I'm excited. Our guys play hard. They they go and they give effort, and uh, I hope our fans appreciate that, even with the mistakes that we've got some young guys out there that are given everything they have, and and they're going to try to win the game every time, and sometimes that costs us. Now, before I leave Logan entirely, there's a lot of attention on, on the two fumbles, but Ula had a 100-yard rushing night. I think 102 was his night, and BYU as a team rushes for 210. You rush for 210, you're normally going to expect to win the game. Of course, the minus six margin just takes that away a little bit. In fact, I went back and found out that since Lavelle came in 72, 139 times before, BYU'd run for 200 yards in a game, and they'd won 129 of those. That's normally a pretty good indicator. It wasn't that way Friday night, but you had a good running night, and the line, I thought, did its job well. No sacks allowed. There were some positives. Yeah, our offensive line played really well, and uh, Ula ran hard, ran well. Squally ran well. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the turnovers just cost you, and uh, they're the big point of the game, but you know, I, I think we take that, and we build on it, and take care of the football, and, and we'll be okay, you know, so... Um, a lot to build on from that, and then just a lot to clean up and, and coach a little better and coach harder. Uh, the two touchdown throws we saw uh, with Bo Hodge in the game were nice. Uh, the first one comes with Austin Cofenses taking the direct snap. It's an end around to Micah. It's a reverse to Bo. It's a throw to Braden Elbakri for a second touchdown. Great play design. Take us through that one. Well, we had that in for Wisconsin, and uh, we actually called it Badger Special and didn't really have an opportunity to run it. And so uh, we wanted to make sure we, we felt like uh, we could get what we wanted back there and slip Braden out past everybody. And, and so it was great execution. We had a few weeks to practice it with the Wisconsin week and then the bye week. So it was something we'd, we'd been working on and just waiting for the right time. And Was it still Badger special? It was still Badger special, okay. <laughs> even though you're playing the Aggies. So we don't have to change the name and recreate anything but you know we have some of those things that you're waiting for the right time and the right opportunity and just good execution on everybody's part and then it was a bow to bow hodge uh to tanner and uh bow tanner does a great job of getting just a toe down before the leg comes out out of uh, comes out of bounds but uh bow hodge put it in a good spot and then bow tanner makes a nice grab yeah bow's uh, tanner has you know great speed and so we've been trying to get some opportunities down the field for him and jonah and and uh talon as well and that happened to be one where uh, we got, you know, point in the game where, you know, they were playing heavy run and we wanted to take our shots. So part of the game plan was, you know, more of a commitment by me to take some shots down the field and call some of those routes to, to give us some opportunity and try to get DBs off of us a little bit too. And uh, like I said, we just missed Jonah on the first one. Bo yeah. was a little amped up. And it, as soon as it left his hand, I was like, oh, boy, that's too far. You know, um, <laughs> Even for Jonah, who's behind his guy. I yeah. know. He yeah. you know, was gaining ground. You know, um, so, um, But we came back and, and were able to get Bo. And like you said, great job getting that toe down. And, and uh, those, those types of plays we need to, to just keep people honest and get them off of us and let them know that you know, we will run by you at times. Last week or so, some more targets shifted to Neil Pau and Micah Simon, I've noted. And those are two guys that uh, ha- have been and can be playmakers for you. Yeah, um, you know, trying to get the ball in people's hands at times. And uh, you know, Micah's done a great job, and we know, you know we've got to 
try to find ways to, to create opportunities for guys. And so um, we're trying to do that a little bit more. Um, and like I said, personnel, guys for different situations. And, and Neil does a great job blocking on the edge. And so it's natural for him to kind of now be a bubble guy and, and be out there whether he could run or run a bubble. And if they collapse, we throw it out there. And, and he's, he's one of those guys that's sneaky shifty, you know, maybe not burner speed, but he does a good job of just a little wiggle here and there that makes guys miss. You just reused the word natural talking about, about Neil, and that's the thing. There are a lot of things about his game that seem to be just innate feel things that you might take a long time to really instruct somebody else to do that really come naturally for him. He's good that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and That's what you're looking for as a coach. When you start recruiting, it's that natural ability. There's a lot of things you can't coach um, that, that happen in a game, and, and you want guys to have some of that ability and feel understand the game and what's happening and he's one of those guys you know he just got off a mission you know ula just got off a mission we're we got a lot of guys that are playing for us that we're relying on that just got off of missions but they have a little natural feel to them that uh you try to take advantage of and put them in a situation to use it that leads us to this point before the break we begin our segment back at the bottom of the hour with you talking about losing Taysom and jamal and losing a lot of experience you've alluded to a couple of guys now who are on the front end of their experience do you look at this offense and realize this is the beginning and for people to kind of maybe keep that in mind when you combine the fact there's been quarterback injuries and the fact so many guys are new to it, do you see something that really can grow into what you want it to be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, we're, we've got five seniors on the offense and three are O-linemen, so, you know, we'll miss them and, and that experience up front. But our, our skilled guys, um, there's a lot of youth there. Matt Bushman's a freshman, just got, you know, didn't play last year, was on a mission. And, uh, and so, you know, we're relying on a lot of these guys that it's the first time really playing in three years and uh, jumping back into it and, and then trying to figure out a, a new offense for them and, and all those things. So not, not to make excuses. I mean, they're in there and we got to coach them and, and they wouldn't be in there if they weren't good players. But there is some youth there and inexperience that things happen in a game that is the first time for them and they got to learn from it. And you only learn from it through game experience. So we're taking our lumps right now, but feel like as coaching staff, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we, you know, it seems way out there, and it's a little speck of light, but uh, to, to us as coaches. But when you look at the big picture and down the road where we're going to be, these guys are going to play some good football for a long time for us. And if people are wondering where their offensive coordinator's mindset or confidence level is at, uh, what would your response be to that? Well, I mean, I've, we're going to go coach whoever's out there, and we're going to go play, and when we're working hard to find opportunities and ways to, to get the ball into the end zone. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never been a person to sit there and, and sulk and pout and, and worry about, you know, when I when I took the coaching job at St. Andrews, we were 0-10 that first year, and I talked to Lavelle and said, what did you do? How did you build BYU? And he said, we don't worry about the things we didn't have. We concentrated on what we did have. And so as a coaching staff, that's our job. What do we have this week to work with, and what can they do best? How can we help our guys be in a situation to be successful? And and uh, that's, that's our mentality as coaches right now in the offensive room is, okay, what do we have, and how can we – put a plan together that we can be successful and we're not just going to go out there and well let's run it three times and try to punt we're going to have to throw the football to beat people especially when you're playing good teams and uh and so my job to coach up the quarterbacks to make good decisions and make sure that they have something they're comfortable with and and Ben Cahoon's job to make sure the receivers have an opportunity to get open and, and run routes that they feel comfortable with and 
same with Coach Empty and Coach Clark and Coach Mahe. We're, we're all in it together and, and trying to, you know, use the, the experience everybody has from whatever situation you've been in to, to draw from those things and, and then hopefully have some guys, you know, be successful and help them out. Right on. Next team up is Boise State. We'll talk about the Broncos next. If you have any questions for Coach Detmer, we'll ask him in the next segment to hashtag CCBYU. That's CC for Coordinator's Corner. Hashtag CCBYU to ask a question of Ty on Twitter as we come up with our final segment of the Coordinator's Corner. Ty's next here at JCW's back after this. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Final quick segment on Coordinator's Corner. Time for one question for Ty. It comes in on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. What are the biggest differences you see now in college football defenses versus the defenses when you played or even in the NFL? I think, uh, you know, everybody's adjusted to the passing game. So linebackers back when I played were 250 and had the big neck roll and oversized shoulder pads because they were taking on lead blockers and, and guards. And now they're... 220 and fast and and play well in space so that's probably the biggest difference and then you get a lot more diversity in what you're seeing week to week now not a lot of time left to talk about boise state uh, but in about 30 or 40 seconds a uh, summation of what they do do well and what will challenge you most on friday well they're a good solid program so they're always going to play sound and play hard play fast uh they're a little younger uh this year than they have been they lost some seniors last year but um, they're coming off a, a loss to Virginia and a bye week, so I know they'll be chomping at the bit, but they play good sound, hard football, and uh, multiple fronts, multiple coverages, so we'll have to be ready to see it all, and, and you know, I'm not sure what we'll see after last week and, and where we ended the game with different defensive packages for us. BYU and Boise Friday. Ty, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, that's Ty Detmer. Our thanks to Ty and Coach Elisa Tuiaki for this week's Coordinator's Corner. We're back with you next Monday at noon here at JCW's in Provo. So for Coach Detmer and Coach Tuiaki, Greg Rubel, thanking you for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday on the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's. So long.